Hello and welcome. You're listening to Connected and Ready, an ongoing conversation about innovation, resilience and our capacity to succeed, brought to you by Microsoft. I'm Gemma Milne. I'm a technology journalist and author, and I'm going to be exploring trends around how companies are adapting to a disrupted world and preparing for tomorrow. We're going to speak to the innovators who are bringing products, operations and people together in new ways. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Chris Gerardini, president and owner of Turnkey Technologies. We dive into the world of Integrated Enterprise Resource Planning Solutions, or ERP, and we discuss how they unlock business results. We chat about how businesses can identify when they are ready for an ERP, what mindsets are needed for effective implementation, and what vision of the future of business ERPs unlock. Before we start, I want to thank all of you listeners out there. If you have a topic or a person you'd love to hear on the show, please send us an email at connectedandready at microsoft.com. We're so thankful for you all. Now, on with the episode. Chris, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you work and what you've been working on of late. Thank you. Chris Garadini. I'm the president and owner of Turnkey Technologies. So Turnkey is a Microsoft Dynamics partner focused on implementing business applications, both ERP and CRM. So in my role, I'm a solutioner. I'm out there selling big transactions in the Dynamics 365 space for very complex companies that deal domestically or internationally. So quite a fun and exciting role that I get to have here at the business. Amazing. And we're going to dive into a little bit about ERP and CRM and all these acronyms that you mentioned to us just then. But before we get into that, I thought it'd be good to actually zoom out a little bit and get a little bit of context. You know, we've been hearing a lot about the acceleration of digital transformation, the need for greater visibility, and of course, greater responsiveness to unforeseen events. And of course, COVID is just uh, one example of that. So from your perspective, what's been the biggest challenge for most businesses and how does this impact the experiences that they can give their customers? Sure. I mean, as COVID came up, a lot of people weren't completely prepared for remote works and to manage their business processes completely electronically. And I think that was the the biggest surprise for the businesses that had not invested previously in their technology is they were, they were behind and they needed to catch up. The conversation I've had is it doesn't need to be so daunting. And I think that as we explore transformation, there's lots of aspects. There's little pieces and big wins. And I think that's part of the problem. People are afraid to get on that on-ramp to transforming their business. And again, they can incrementally attack, you know, areas and get great improvement and great realization, even if it's just improving an employee's experience, again, as a result of COVID. But so I think that's part of the problem is people think it's too big and it's overwhelming and they procrastinate. They don't know that they can land and expand and incrementally start chipping off at transformation. So let's think a little bit about the customer then and the impact that has in terms of experiences. How can businesses add more value for customers? You know, what does it actually mean to do that? Is it about having one view of their customer or is it about keeping up with demands or is it something else entirely? I think that's several facets. You talk about a 360 view of the customer where I can look in one place and know everything about you, even though I haven't been current with you, but it gives me a frame of reference to carry the conversation and not start at zero every time to come up to speed. So employees in the organization dealing with customers become more efficient. The customer feels you're more efficient. They don't have to tell you the whole story to pick up and ask for what they have in a new context. So it adds a lot of value. You can deal with more customers by having a consolidated 360 view of data. So let's go into that a little bit more, this idea of the the one view or the consolidated 360 view, as you put it, of customer data. I mean, is this even possible to really get that full view that encompasses everything that allows that unlocking of value with, of course, keeping privacy in mind and all sorts at the same time. 
It's absolutely attainable. And I think we articulate the user experience we're trying to arrive at as we can give that worker or that 360 view of that data set. And if it doesn't originate in the business apps, we certainly can integrate it there because there's such a value to an organization to have that consolidated data. But again, disparate systems can all be integrated into that single view. And these days, you know, you could be looking at a dashboard and the data could be coming from three different points. So again, you can still create the 360 view of the customer, even if the data is not always in the same place. So it is absolutely doable. So I guess this is where ERPs come into this conversation. So for people who are not yet familiar, what is an ERP and what role do they play in amongst this conversation that we're having here today? You know, many years ago, we used to call it accounting software. And so the evolution of ERP or enterprise resource planning, it becomes a much more comprehensive solution. It's not just finance, but it wicks into operations and customer service. And again, these days, as we look at the cloud, there's a lot of biz apps up there that don't always live in the ERP. They could be in the customer engagement area. But again, it's that holistic view of the business solution that's connected, whether it's transacted there or it's integrated in so that we have that single source. What does that look like in practice? Maybe kind of map out for us. You know, as we think about ERP, we think of that as the hub. Okay, so where's my hub? And then what are these external systems, whether they're line of business applications, because, you know, we've got a group example, they're doing CAD work. Well, we can integrate CAD with ERP. And so I can work here and synchronize my data here. So the user doesn't have to be into both systems, but they have the information they need to do their jobs there. But also the constituents gain that. It's no different than a sales rep in a customer engagement 365 CRM, where we're replicating the customer's activities over there. So that sales rep can see everything going on with the customer, but he doesn't have to be in both systems. So we may see, oh, we're still in different applications, but we have our respective data points um, replicated between those systems. It could be e-commerce. E-commerce flows into ERP, it flows back. The customer's experience is e-commerce, but maybe he can go to the e-commerce site and pay a bill and push cash. Well, again, it may be a ERP experience or e-commerce experience, but it ends up in an ERP world. So again, we really tear down the walls. And as long as we eliminate redundant data entry, we put the worker where they belong in the best place. Dynamics 365 Business Central is an all-in-one business management solution, helping small and medium-sized businesses connect people, processes, and data. With integrated ERP and CRM capabilities, Dynamics 365 Business Central can help increase financial visibility, optimize your supply chain, streamline sales and service, and deliver projects on time and under budget. Watch a demo by following the link in the episode description. So when we're thinking about connecting data, you're going to be asking quite a lot of questions there, right? What kind of data do I need? What kind of data is best? Do I even have this data? Is the data clean? Um, what data is missing? All these sorts of questions. How do businesses figure out what data to focus on or how to even start attacking these kind of questions? It's a good question. And, you know, I like to describe that we're ERP centric, which means you don't have to go out and build an articulated data warehouse. But I think the first place that companies start is they look at the data model that shows up with the ERP system. Okay, so great. So I've got lots of data that's going to be there just by processing transaction to the system. And I think that the challenge is where are the gaps? What's missing from, let's call it, if I've got 98% of it, what's missing? And then there's a personalization configuration and maybe a customization to add elements to that. They could be dimensions, right? What's a dimension? It's something that I want to pivot on. Well, in my industry, I have this code that I want to see where that shows up and volume by that code. So it's, it's more of a focus on what are the gaps in the data that are missing? And again, what are the measures? So if you think about dimensions and measures, that's normally there's a housekeeping where 
And okay, can we add those? Now that we've captured them, we have a complete data set. And I think that to your point is how do they know there's computations that'll support different types of key performance indicators. And based on their definition of a key performance indicator, it may need, oh, this measure, which isn't natively in the system. So that's the approach is we gap the core data model, we gap the transactions, we add the dimensions, we add any measures that may be missing, and then it's just back to composition, right? We're composing different ways to render the information, whether that's summary, detail, based on different dimensions. And, and again, whether they know what those key performance indicators are in those calculations, they may already be doing them in an Excel spreadsheet. But again, we come in and we'll just attach them so they're real-time connected. And there's none of this export formulation transformation that has to happen every time they want to refresh the data. So there's a few, um, I guess, questions I'm assuming some people um, listening in might have about this idea. Because, you know, it, it does sound, I don't want to say too good to be true, but it sounds like an amazing thing and, and almost a no-brainer for businesses to want to implement. But to me, I can kind of see three big um I guess, challenges perhaps that I would love to hear your views on. The first being privacy of interconnected systems. The second being, if one part of it breaks, does it all fall down? Kind of like, you know, the Christmas lights thing, if one uh, light breaks, you know. Um, And then the third thing being an upfront investment to actually have to implement this brand new system when you've already got so much going on. So I'd love to maybe attack those one by one. Maybe let's start with the investment one. Is it really worth it to do this huge implementation to try and get all this working? Or is it not as big a task as you said at the start? to really get this off the ground and it really makes sense long term. So if we have to change out the hub, yeah, the hub is a, a full implementation. That's a big project to replace, but in the end, it opens up the doors. And if you think about it, I've had businesses that show up, they say, I can't add this customer because I can't integrate them because of my technology. So, so that move forward to a new platform allows them to open doors to secure new business. So there is absolutely a, a computable ROI on moving to those platforms. And just as my organization comes up to the next level, my team can innovate. It, it opens the doors in terms of innovation, integration, and, and it really does give us more upward potential in the business and bottom line impact because of the efficiency we gain. We gain capacity by implementing new technology so we don't throw people at it, but we can grow the business without adding labor. So absolutely, there's computable ROIs on all these different activities and, and you still have to rationalize what you spend your money on. There are going to be integration projects that make complete sense because it's humanly impossible to synchronize the data. And there's other ones that, ah, we can key that in. It's once a month. It's one transaction. So there's still, a, to your point about the investment, we rationalize that. But in most cases, once you build these things, you're always looking, what am I going to do next? Who do I integrate with next? Because you see such a value in doing that. And all of a sudden, you're capacity independent. I don't have a human that says, I can't type in the web orders fast enough. I'm getting 100 a day. Well, the 100 a day, you need to be integrating that data. I suppose it's like the first time you get a smartphone, you're downloading every app possible because you just didn't think there was all these things you suddenly need or want. <laughs> um, okay, let's go on to the next question then, the Christmas lights question, I guess, as I'm putting it around. Um, sometimes there's pitfalls by having absolutely everything connected. So if the hub goes down, everything else is inaccessible, for instance. Is that true of ERP? Like, how does it work to kind of, you know, it's, it's great to connect your systems, but does that also mean that they're sort of completely reliant on one central bit that if some something goes wrong with the company grinds to a halt, shall we say? Sure. And I think there's separating this as, you know, integration failure points versus can my hub stop running? Okay. We're living in the Microsoft public cloud. It has a 99.99 high uptime availability. So, you know, we assume the cloud is always on. We assume the internet's always on. So, so certainly those situations, we lose the internet. I can't access that. We've got a work stoppage. And most companies do need to have DR plans, disaster recovery, meaning, okay, if I can't hit the internet, how do I do business? And so there's always a contingency plan there. So that's normally the only thing that can really upend. And, uh, but as we think about integration services and the reliance between 
great. If I'm doing EDI, what if a piece in the middle breaks? Does that mean I stop getting my orders for the day? So it could absolutely impact business, but typically it doesn't shut down the operation. Assuming the hub is online and running, we've got an integration loop. If there's an issue there, normally there's planning about diagnostics and error trapping and how do I roll back or deal with failures for whatever reason. And so there's some contingency built in those integration loops, but there's still no question that you may not have your new orders. My website integration broke, right? I can't get my orders in from Shopify. I need to hurry up and pick, pack, and ship. So there are always those concerns, but it impacts just a limited amount of the business, in my opinion. So, And that's part of the strategy in designing these, just as we said. What's my contingency plan if the cloud goes down? And God forbid it, it doesn't happen. And let's talk a little bit about privacy and compliance, because obviously this is a huge topic when we talk about digital transformation, particularly new tools that that companies are wanting to implement and perhaps don't know about yet. And again, with a connected system, I'm thinking particularly in, in, in industries where protection of data is extremely important. For instance, healthcare, connecting systems is actually sometimes a bad thing to do because if you can access by accident or there's a leakage or whatever, it can be a sort of broader exposure. So how does sort of privacy and compliance come into play uh, again with this idea of this connected system? Yeah, that's a big consideration because we've often done integration projects where there's a public company that's integrating in a subsidiary. And so you've got a lot of, and one of the confidences that I have in the Dynamics 365 stack is the built-in governance. So you get governance out of those apps, but to your point is when you're connecting two disparate systems, two different entities, two different legal structures, there's an exchange. And what's the exchange? Do I have credentials to your system? Do you have credentials to mine? And a lot of them are like, no, we're going to have a common medium where I put it there, you pick it up. So there's there's different techniques on integration, meaning do I have a direct client into your system through an API with security? Okay, trust relationship, right? Versus am I using this intermediate? I put it on the table, you pick it up, and there's a little bit more buffering going on between the two systems that are integrating. We see different strategies depending on are the organizations related, are they disparate, and what is that intermediate buffer that they're working through? Security and compliance and is a big deal, and we've got clients that need to be in the GCC high space. And so you think about that, great, oh, it's up there. Well, what can I integrate? Oh, it's, you know, do I have security? And so it opens up a whole new realm of consideration is, is is the source system have the same security clearance as the government cloud? But uh, certainly is always a concern, especially when credentials that give people unfettered access right into the back door of a business system. Okay, so let's assume that the listeners, I hope so, have been convinced by your answers and thinking this ERP sounds like a great idea for my business. Is there a way to sort of determine if an ERP is really needed or if the business is ready to implement an ERP? Can you kind of walk us through what businesses should be exploring to find the answer? You know, there's a number of criteria. Uh, typically, you know, age of system is going to have an indicator. Hey, I'm 10 years old. Okay, well, there's there's problems with legacy technology working on new platforms, new hardware. There's also, they're not as open. So again, we go back to that ability to expand that implementation. And so what we see businesses doing is they want this incremental features. They want apps for their people. Maybe I can't add apps. So again, normally the, the age of the technology, and normally there's a gap. There's some gleaning feature that I need this, or I'm doing this manually in Excel. We've got manufacturers that we see that maybe they're sitting on QuickBooks and they don't have inventory and they don't have master planning and production. And so they do all of those processes manually. Well, if you're trying to scale, the rubber hits the road. So again, extreme manual processes that takes lots and lots of time to refresh data. Again, legacy technology, those are all the big indicators. Meaning if somebody just put in a new system, okay, they're not going to come in and replace it. But normally it's just that. I don't have all the features I need to grow my business. The system I have can't scale, can't expand there's the wholesale replacement. Other companies that are on current platforms, it's more, we want to incrementally implement new features. 
as we grow into the ones that we've just implemented. But again, it's a fully connected, fully integrated set of uh, applications. So that also breaks down those siloed barriers where we know we can have this information real time to make decisions. So there's lots of features that businesses can make the most of when it comes to expanding upon the ERP that they've implemented. But are there certain ones that businesses should be thinking about considering what ERPs are best at? You know, what are kind of the core good ones that businesses should be really thinking about? You know, now I've got this, let's use X, Y, and Z. Sure. And it does vary by industry, but typically a project, an ERP project, if they're replacing an existing system, their core is the general ledger, the accounts receivable, the accounts payable, and the banking. So if you think about your core finance modules, those always have to happen first. Someone can say, oh, I want to do, you can't do production first, you have to do the core first. And so let's assume the core is in existence. What's next? And again, depending on the business, I've got clients that show up that, that, that are using a system that doesn't have an inventory ledger. And so if it doesn't have an inventory ledger, they certainly can't have the system tell them what to buy, how many to buy, when to buy them. And so attacking products and perpetual inventory and purchasing and then even the logical extensions into master planning where now it tells me what to buy and how many to buy and who to buy it from and how much I should pay. So as you think about, we call it supply chain, that may be a company that does distribution. The pivots, I've got clients that are doing government work. Well, they need something different than the guys that are dealing with inventory. They need projects, but they also need to track certain other attributes so that they can support their audit requirements for the government. Well, there's a great example out of the box where the gaps, but there's a perfect example as you think about core features. And But that next set is really depends on what are those manual processes that are really causing you all the grief to run your business, grow your business. And they're normally pretty evident. Most people show up and said, I have a problem. I need a real inventory system. I need to be able to provide reports for DCAA audit compliance. And there's a lot of examples, but normally by industry, we know where their pain points are. It's not rocket science as to uh, what works. And as people show up, we can tell that their processes just don't support the decision-making. Uh, example, 10,000 invoices a month, I have to touch every one versus I touch the 30 that don't match the PO. Great. Perfect example of can I evolve that and implement a process so I'm just touching 30 out of 10,000. That's a huge savings. But like I said, a lot of times it's evident to the business as they show up. Again, I had another one, EDI. I can't add partners. Okay, great. New technology can add as many as he wants. He knew walking in the door, he couldn't grow his business because his platform didn't support adding new customers. So like I said, they're not showing up. I don't know what I need. Most of the businesses, as they go through an analysis phase, it becomes pretty evident as to where the real value is in implementing that automation or those business processes. So let's now move on a little bit to talking about people, because this is another topic that comes up a lot when we're talking about digital transformation. We can get caught up talking about the technology, how amazing it is. But at the end of the day, a lot of the issues with implementation, which you touched on right at the beginning, comes back to either a fear or a just don't know how or think that it's bigger. And these are all mindsets that individual people have when it comes to decision making and implementation. So when implementing or upgrading an ERP system, what mindset should those and companies have in terms of the way they approach this digital transformation in order for it to be successful? Is it about internal culture? Is it about involving other stakeholders or customers, for instance, in the process? Talk us through a little bit about that. Sometimes it, you can drive it internally, but there needs to be champions and somebody's got to have vision. And so transformation, small or large, begins with what's the vision? Do we need somebody outside the business that has a purview on our industry to come in and create a vision and say, wow, we want to be there. Okay, great. How do we get there? Then it's visions created, 
Can we substantiate it? Great. What's it going to take to get there? Does it make sense? And, and again, there's an iterative process to kind of attacking this, but the vision helps with the adoption as well. People don't see what the future can look like. And so you really need to say, oh, okay, I see a new way to do business. I see a new way to do this process. So a lot of it begins with just visioning and having a perspective on the industry. And again, getting these opinions from people outside of your organization that may have seen success in other organizations that are in your industry doing the same thing. So there's several facets to, to coming up with and, and getting aligned to what's the right direction. In terms of vision then, because I, I really like that. And I think that's a, a brilliant way of, I, can, I guess, not only talking about culture, but also talking about potential and kind of rallying the troops, shall we say. So could you give us one example of what that vision looks like? You know, I know you're saying it's kind of really dependent on, I guess it's dependent on the company and it's depending on who you're talking to. But let's say it's a, I don't know, a retail business and you're talking to executives and they've never had an ERP before. How would you, how would, come on, try and sell it to me. What's the vision of an ERP? Maybe their vision is analytics, is how to make decisions with real-time data. I don't need to show them how to do a POS transaction. I need to show them, hey, here's the results of all of these activities happening throughout your enterprise and how they aggregate up. And I know what's selling, what's not selling. I can see trending. I can see you know, whether it's reorder points, maybe it's, I need to add a promotion here. So again, it's this real-time dashboard to an executive level in a retail is going to be, look, let me show you how this information can help you grow your business and reduce cost and redirect employees or obsolete product lines that don't really need to be in the store. Or, Hey, you've got cash sitting here. You got 17 years of supply. I mean, there's a lot of different aspects, but that's the positioning for the executive team is, is I'm going to start at a very high level macro and it's not granular. It's, but I can drill down and drill down and drill down. And when I show them that life that they don't live today, right today, they yell at somebody, Hey, give me a report. Or it takes them 45 days in their rear view mirror. It's too late to react. And so there's my executive vision creation. It's all about analytics and how do I use this information to make money, to make real-time decisions, cut cost. And, and a lot of them don't have those tools today because it's old stuff. Hey, all the point of sale data is out there in the field. Well, how do I get it into my business applications? Okay. Well, again, there's an integration, right? How much data do I bring from the POS into the back office? Well, now I want the dimensions. I want the products. I want the customer demographics. And, and if I'm thoughtful about that, guess what? I just opened up all this capability to, to really drive my business. And that's what people haven't lived with. They haven't had that experience. And so as we show them what that experience can be like, they're like, they want it. And again, six months later, then they're more mature and they've evolved and now they want more. So there is an evolution that you may not know what you need today. I want that. And then when you're there and you've absorbed that, what's next? But the executive vision is just that. It's all around, how do I run my business differently? That was awesome. Um, you mentioned a little bit there about the, you know, once they've got it and they're six months in, what do they do now? Let's talk a little bit about that. Once you have an ERP, what can it unlock or enable your business to do? What's the sort of strategy or maybe the new vision that you need to think about in order to really realize the potential of this ERP that you now have? And a lot of times people replace their current technology with the ERP solution. And if I had five things, maybe I, I start with seven but there's 75 in there. And so this vision of what's next, what's next, and it's incremental implementation. For example, we show up with people are using an external expense, travel and expense app. Well, second phase, they use travel and expense that's core to Dynamics 365. And so because of the 365 cloud, right? You buy what you need when you need it. There is a lot to continue to grow into. Even AI, are you letting AI crawl through your ERP data? No, but I plan on it. Well, again, 
That's very easy. The data's there. You turn it on. All of a sudden, it starts telling you what to do. So I really believe that that land and expand is, we use that all the time, but most organizations, they're capture, and then they start going after these functions that are manual. They're disconnected. That's a manual Excel sheet. Let's bring that in and real-time that out. That's a manual process. How do you decide what to buy? Well, Bob over there gets a spreadsheet. Okay, we're done with that. Now the system tells Bob what to buy, and Bob says, yep, that's what I would have done. So again, incrementally, um, attacking manual processes are just inefficient processes, but Part of that is now that you're on that foundation, the sky's the limit. I think that's truly the answer. It sounds like there is so much that you can do, but from a business perspective, I mean, how do you, I guess, prioritize or what's your advice to businesses when they're sitting with this menu, this suite of of many, many, many different applications? There's many things they might be able to identify in the business, or maybe they even haven't identified these things yet. You know, what would you say is the strategy to working out a plan or a timeline in terms of really getting to grips and getting to use all these different features of the system? So as our organization engages with a customer, we're doing analysis. We're really digging into current process, process requirements, and even these gaps in these processes are manual. So normally there's a pretty good list of targets after they get the core handled. And again, they're normally rationalized based on return on investment. And so it becomes pretty easy as we look at manual processes and what's first, what's second, because normally there's a monetary value to automating that. And or there's a business opportunity that, hey, if I do this, I get access to $2 million in business a month from a customer. So again, we typically have a list um, and, and normally the customers know, but the outside perspective is that as well. We're identifying gaps that you could fix this or like, okay, that's not as high of a priority but normally there's a prioritization on that list. And most companies, I do a three, five-year vision for them. So we call it a roadmap. And they really know phase two, phase three. I've got a, a transaction today. They're looking at phase three, four, and five. Okay, that's three, four years out. They're planning incremental ERP implementation work to continue to extend the reach all the way down to what? The employees, the customers, and even the vendors. So Awesome. Let's finish with a little bit of future facing uh, or, or futuring, shall we say. How should businesses be using ERPs to be ready for what's next? Or, or what do you think it will enable businesses to do when you think about what the future holds? And I think that's a great perspective. It'll allow them to react without knowing because we don't know. And I think the confidence in your business solution, and I have confidence and I run mine, but I can grow into these business opportunities and I don't have to start over because of that extensibility. So I think that's part of what you get is you've got to have the confidence that you can evolve your business applications to meet those new challenges and those new opportunities. And that's where some of the people with the older systems, they can't pivot. They can't react like that. You know, and again, the system's allowed to be reconfigured without compromising anything you've done prior to that point in time. And I can extend into that space. And I think that's what the platform brings to you once you're on a current platform of an ERP system. It gives you options faster. You can faster attack the market than other people can because you've got those things in place and ready to go. Amazing. That's a lovely note to end on, Chris. Thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show and sharing us with us so many different insights, ideas and visions as well for what an ERP can do. So thanks very much for coming and joining us. Appreciate the opportunity. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find out more about Chris's work and indeed some of the broader themes discussed today in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, please do take a few moments to rate and review the podcast. It really helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to hit subscribe and tune in next time to continue our conversation about innovation, resilience and our capacity to succeed. Learn how Dynamics 365 Business Central 
can help your small or mid-sized business bring disconnected systems together to improve financial visibility, optimize your supply chain, streamline sales and service, and deliver projects on time and under budget. Watch a demo by following the link in the episode description.